All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson, Punk's Opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion. We actually spent out a thing earlier this afternoon uh, for fan questions. It uh, blew up pretty fast, so what we decided to do was let's go ahead and roll this out tonight. Usually, uh, we usually wait about a day or two to get, you know, anywhere between 50 to 100 questions and see what happens. And this time, though, they rolled in so fast, so we'll probably, maybe we'll do back-to-back -back days, maybe one tonight, maybe one tomorrow. We'll see. If you guys have fan questions, go ahead and hit us up on Sammy and the Punk or on our YouTube channel at Sammy and the Punk also, and uh, leave us questions there. Uh, under the fan question special episode, write your questions below, and I'll go ahead and try and get them answered. But uh, let's see. Let's see where we're at, man. No Sammy, obviously. Sammy's still on vacation because Sammy is lazy. <laughs> and so we are, uh, he's still on holiday. I think, I think that's what uh, the Scottish people call it, right? Holiday. holiday, yes, the European, mom said? Europeans, right? Yeah, that's what you guys the mom say. said that too. No, nah, I don't know. Maybe uh, she did. Maybe okay. she did. Yeah, that's pretty funny. All right, so uh, Dave's gonna go ahead and uh, give me some questions, man. All right, we we'll just start on YouTube since that's yeah, we might as well start on YouTube. We'll burn All through right. those. All right. So from AKY1187 says hypothetical question: How do you think a UFC fight between you and Khabib would have played out? <laughs> oof, oof. Well, at the time, at, let's just say at the time that I was fighting against, uh, that I had fought Nate Diaz and was fighting Benson Henderson, um, him and I were training quite a bit together back then, and it was a lot more evenly matched. Obviously, after I had fought the Benson fight, came off the injury with the broken thumb and, and some torn ligaments in my wrists and stuff, time had lapsed, and he had had a couple fights, and I had actually helped him get ready for those fights as far as you know, uh, cornering and coaching and things like that, and I had went along with him to actually corner him for several of his fights. And uh, he had grown so much so fast. I mean, he had we had a really good team at that time of lightweights. We had Gray Maynard, Tyson Griffin, myself, just seasoned veterans. I think to help you know to help along with him that he was able to work with us. The other thing is he was really only there for the last like you know four to six weeks for his camp. We didn't see him any other time in between then, but we did notice a huge difference in his performance every time he came. He had grown so much. The one thing that I can say about him, and not just him, but all of the rush that have come um man they just absorb so much knowledge they have tons of questions hey how do you do this hey what works for you for this even though they're already good at defending in that position they want to know how you were able to get like even to a semi good position on them from certain spots it's like oh i can't say like um, i can't say that i'm americans i can just say like people that i have trained with before like, oh, he's not going to get me with that. He's not going to get me with that. You know, it's like, I'm better than him at that. But then they don't train that at all. And then it ends up backfiring on them. And I'll give you a perfect example is, you know, Josh Koscheck when he fought George St. Pierre, the whole camp, he's like, I don't need to work my wrestling, man. George St. Pierre is not taking me down. There's no damn way. And he just kept taking him down and just kept taking him down. And it was just, it was just one of those things, man. We were just like, damn. Like, he didn't want to work his wrestling hardly at all, that camp. And he used to go around saying, like, there's no way. You can't teach a grown man how to wrestle. There's no way he can take me down. Like, he's not taking me down. And he was taking him down. It was just like, man. It was just one of those things where you see with the, with the Russian guys, if you get any position on them at all, in sparring or in jiu-jitsu or in training or in wrestling or grappling, whatever it is, they're, they're straight up asking you, like, hey, how would you get there? Like, like, how are you setting that up? What's going on? And then the leaps and bounds that he gained from the time that I fought Nate Diaz, Benson Henderson, Bobby, Bobby Green, and and those guys. I mean, he had gained, he had he had gained so much knowledge and gotten so much better in that time span and those fights. And and everyone keeps criticizing the fact that he <clears throat> 
that he's like, oh, he's a one-trick pony, he's wrestling this, he's wrestling that. But I mean, like, people just don't understand that when you're that afraid of being taken down and someone has the ability to keep taking you down and keep taking you down and hold you down and and just out-technique you on the ground and just at a whole different level of someone else, it opens up the stand-up to a whole different degree. And he doesn't need to be a sharpshooter on the feet. And we saw that with the Conor McGregor. And we saw that with some of the other guys that he had fought in the past. His hands may, be, may not be like... You know, Floyd Mayweather or Oscar De La Hoya or any of these guys back in their prime, you know, or, you know, or Felix Trinidad and those guys. But let me just tell you, when you are afraid of that takedown to that level of not wanting to get taken down and and having to worry about expending the energy to get up and after seeing what he's done to guys like Barboza and what he's done to other guys, you know, throughout their careers, you know, Abel Trujillo and and, and Pat Healy and these guys, like just to know that they their their whole game was to grind people out and out wrestle them and put pressure on them and he was able to out hustle them and outwork them and just keep you know, he, I think he still holds the record for the most takedowns in one in one fight in one three, five minute round and three uh in a 15 minute fight and just to know that i think the record's like either 19 or 25 or 24 takedowns in in 15 minutes and he just kept taking able to down i kept taking him down and so just to answer your question back then it probably would have been a little bit closer of a fight you know i think i probably would have still have given him the edge um i don't know if he was quite ready for that platform i guess where i was at at the time but I mean, he's somebody that also rises to the occasion when he fights, and he's definitely. Um, and I always enjoyed working with him and and training with him and and cornering him and doing whatever it was that you know to, with him and Islam and the other Islam that's other they got it's in the PFL. Um, th those three guys, man, as long, along as well as with Abu Bakr, his brother Manap, uh, and those guys, like they're just they they just constantly are asking for knowledge. And I think to answer the question, it would have been a way. It would have been a lot. Of, it would have been a still a really extremely tough fight. If I would have won, it would have been very probably close or controversial. If he would have beat me, probably would have, you know, just grinded me out and you know into that portion. But it would have been a three minute, a five minute, a fifteen minute, probably like war back and forth. But uh, as time's gone on, man, I mean, obviously, like, as after after the the Bobby Green fight and the Tony Ferguson fight, I just wasn't the same fighter anymore. And I think you started, I started realizing that as an athlete. And uh, where he's at now is just a totally different level than I think than even I was at when I was at my prime. So he's definitely, uh, <clears throat> it definitely would have been a tough fight. But who knows? Next one. Uh, who's a better actor from YD and YDINO? Uh, who's a better actor, Nas Nasakawa or John Jones? <laughs> uh look, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, look, we we just don't know. We'll never know. I think with the Japanese thing, we'll never know. Uh, it's always going to be a mystique about them. There's always going to be questions that surrounding certain fights, uh, all the way back from the Pride days, you know. And it's just kind of how they do business and. You know, and, and it worked, man. You guys got to think about, there was a lot of times where you hear of top fighters saying that they got paid extra to throw fights against other top fighters, not just talking about pro wrestlers versus other, you know, fighters and things like that. You kind of always knew that the pro wrestler was going to go in and try to win like as quick as he could. And if he couldn't win, then he was just going to like flop over and, and just basically get beat up. Um, those we knew were kind of like not so much works, but almost like the Bob Sapp type thing where he's, hey, look, I'm going to give you a hard minute 32. After a minute 30 seconds, I'm just going to take a dive. <laughs> you know, you kind of knew what you were getting with Bob Sapp. But with uh, Nasakawa, I don't know, man. I think I think what happened with him is he found out right off the bat that he was way outclassed. <clears throat> he was also smaller. 
he uh, boxing had his boxing wasn't anywhere near that level. And as far as John Jones, John Jones, like, you got to just read through the lines, man. Look, and people like I got blown up over this whole like, oh, you're only hating on him because he beat DC. No, man, I'm not, I'm hating on him because he's a cheater, and he hasn't just been caught cheating once. He's been caught cheating a bunch of times, and if people just keep biting into that, like, you know, the, the, well, God's going to guide me this way. God's going to guide you that way. God didn't guide the needle into your ass or give the pill down the throat. The God didn't do that. You know, and you guys can criticize me all you want and sit here and tell me like, oh, you're just upset. You're hating on him. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm hating on him because he's a cheater, you know, and I hate it. I kind of, even no matter how much I like Anderson Silva, how much I like Vitor Belford, when it comes to them in the fight game, I don't, I don't, I'll have, I don't have respect for them. As they're nice people, I've met them several times, been around Belford. I think he's a very nice guy, um, but there's no doubt about whether he got, he's been caught cheating, you know, and he, he's been, he's been a cheater, you know. And the same thing has been said for Anderson Silva. Um, Cyborg has gotten caught also. Um, other people have gotten caught as well. And I'm not all gung ho on those people either. So I, it's not just him. It's just he just happens happens to be the most relevant name right now that people are talking about, and that's why it has nothing to do with whether he beat DC or not. I I think that it's it is an act. I think it is an act of like you know God this God that, and and, and God didn't make you, you know, wreck your car when you were you know and, and run away from the scene and run back and grab money and whatever else and take off and leave the girl you know the pregnant girl there with the broken arm without even helping her or calling the cops. You know, God didn't have you wreck your Bentley and, you know, and, and with two strippers in it or whatever it is like it, that's on you, bro. Like that, that's, that, those are all on you. And I'm not hating on him. Those are all things in the past. And I believe that everyone deserves a second chance, but like we've went to the second chance. We've been to the third chance. We've been to the fourth chance. And there's no doubt we've always, I've talked about this. I don't know how many times there is not, there's no single doubt that no one, there's no one, I've no one I've talked to, not even myself considering tell you or convince anybody that he is not the greatest athlete that's probably ever stopped and stepped into that cage ever i mean that's the thing like the most talented ever there's no doubt about that that's why it's so baffling that that he's done all these dumb things you know um i think also too when there's smoke there's fire like the fact that his brother's been caught cheating in, in the nfl for steroids and then now like you would be stupid or naive to not think that like they don't communicate and talk about those type of things on and how to get away with it. Or I mean, you have to be dumb. Like you guys, like people are criticizing me for getting on about. I'm just being upfront. I'm being real about the situation, and it sucks that a talent of that magnitude, to me, could ever be considered in the goat conversation simply because he's been busted for cheating. And I don't care if he has a picogram of a picogram of a picogram left in his system, dude. It was put there because he was cheating from before so don't sit here and keep trying to justify to me that oh it was this it was such a minute amount not my problem man like he, the bottom line is it wouldn't be in a system if he had he not cheated you know he had he's cheated that's the whole deal you know uh it didn't just mysteriously end up there okay it's because he cheated so um anyways that's enough between that <laughs> um from aaron chissus he says Josh, being a fan since you would fight at CDA Casino, actually dropped over a hundred pounds and thanked you for motivating me. My question is, out of all the guys you trained with uh, in Coeur d'Alene, do you know what that in is? In Coeur d'Alene, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, yeah. 
uh, who was Who's the most talented? Who gave you the biggest challenge? Thank you. So, um, gosh, man, I cannot remember his last name, but there was a name. There was a guy named Jeremy that I used to, to spar with all the time back in the day. There was a couple guys. <clears throat> there was a couple guys that were really talented. There was a guy named Tony Conda, uh, who was extremely flexible, older guy, extremely strong. Uh, but his jujitsu at the time was considered to be some of the best that I'd ever trained with. Now, granted, I hadn't trained with BJ Penn and those guys yet, but Tony was just the, the he almost had the BJ Penn type hips and the flexibility. And I think at the time, had we had a coach that that catered around something like that, they could get us to the next level because we were training in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho at the time with with just one guy who really was he was decent. And he just had like a base of a good of a good jujitsu game, and that's all we had learned from. So to give him what we had started from, we all excelled above and beyond those things, um, given what we had to work with. But the Jeremy, I can't remember Jeremy's last name. Man, he was like one of my best friends too, and I feel so. He, anyways, he got in a severe car accident, ended up losing like kind of the mobility in his arm, and uh, he was never able to fight again. And uh, you know, it just was one of those things. And and Jeremy was a great guy, but he was the one that gave me the most fits. He was my main training partner, my main sparring sparring partner. He, and uh, man, was he game! That guy was just nasty good. He had fought a guy. Ah, uh, you know, and uh, geez, man, he was so good. Like he, we, he, he was good. Just very talented on the feet. Had kind of like Taekwondo style stand up. Extremely strong. Uh, good sprawled takedown defense. Jiu-jitsu was was pretty good. I mean, you know, I'd say my jiu-jitsu was a little bit better, but his stand up was a little bit better than mine. He had real big power in his hands. I mean, we were back in the day like caveman days. Like we used to spar, no mouthpieces, eighteen ounce gloves, no headgear, no shin guards, no knee pads. Just stupid, man. Just like full on body kicks, no shin guards, nothing. So back then we were dumb, but it was it was definitely fun. But I'd say those were probably two the two of the most talented that I had probably ever worked with out of there. I mean, besides Trevor Prangley, who obviously excelled and went on to uh, to the UFC, became the Bodog World Champ, and then also fought in the Strike Force Heavy or Strike Force uh, Light Heavyweight uh, Tournament there as well. So, uh, or though maybe it was the 185 pound middleweight tournament, I believe it was. Yeah, it was the middleweight tournament for Strike Force. You know, I mean, he extremely talented that guy. I mean, just Trevor was Trevor was the guy who he had a lot of talent. He had a lot of talent. He just could have. He just was that one little thing. Like to me, I felt like he beat Jeremy Horn. I uh, didn't get a chance, uh, and that was a split decision loss. I felt like he should have won that fight. That would have got him in the. He would have been next in line for the title shot against Chuck Liddell. I believe at the time it was Chuck as the champion. Might have been Randy Tour, but I think it was Chuck Liddell at the time. He was the champion, so it would have been Trevor Prangley versus Chuck Liddell. Had that fight happened, had he beat Jeremy Horn that fight, and I felt like he did beat Jeremy Horn, which sucks, you know, because the shitty thing about that whole situation was I believe Trevor. He woke up that morning or the day before with a cold. So he was on antibiotics going into that fight. And it just sucked to see the fact that like he had trained so hard. I knew all the work because him and I were training side by side at the time. And it was there and available for him. Man, he could have fucking done it. And that's what I was really upset, you know, for him at that time. And I, I think I think him and him and him and Chuck would have been an amazing fight. The two of them would have just fucking thrown down. I would have loved it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, that would that answers that. Uh, from Tong Bokes, could DC beat Jones at heavyweight? I mean, we we just it's one of those wait and sees. I know that DC is a different fighter at heavyweight. The power is a lot bigger. I, I don't know, man. I really don't. I really couldn't tell you. Um, 
talent wise, it's hard to say, man. I mean, we all know Jones Jones is tough. Like he's good all the way around. DC, I think it's the size. It's the size thing, like is in the length and the reach that will always give DC a problem. Jones' body and stylistically is a hard matchup for everyone. Now, if he was a long guy, like you see with uh with uh the, the heavyweight guy that just lost to Derek Lewis. I can't remember his name. Um gosh. Uh, anyways, th there was a Russian guy, heavyweight guy, he lost to uh, to Derek Lewis before he fought DC, and um, uh, there Volkov. He is. Volkov, yeah. So Volkov, Volkov's he's not that great in the clinch, like knees and elbows, and and uh, you know he's long range, he uses push kick really well. But John Jones, you get in the clinch with him, it's worse than if you were on the outside with him. I mean, it's it's amazing to see the knees and the elbows and the clinch. He reminds me, honestly, he reminds me a little of Tony Ferguson. Like Tony Ferguson and him are very similar styles with the long push kick, um, the dense bones, I believe. I mean, I haven't fought John Jones, but I fought Tony and they have like those dense bones and just like, it hurts, man. Everything they hit you with, you're like, oh, this hurts. You know, they're like kind of like that wiry, like real sharp, everything hurts. And I can, I can kind of see that happening. I think a little bit with, with Jones stylistically he matches up well with everyone even at the heavyweight division dc is just because he's shorter i think he's going to always have a hard time with with john jones uh at heavyweight he does have a puncher's chance more of a puncher's chance than he does at 205 but you never know maybe jones packs a bigger punch at that at heavyweight too right now i'm really just giving you speculation but it's a tough fight i would give dc more of a chance uh to win that fight at heavyweight, and I would definitely love to see that fight at heavyweight. I just don't think it's going to happen. Just my personal opinion. I believe that DC is going to fight either Stipe or Brock Lesnar coming up next. And after that fight, I think he's going to hang it up. And I think that Cain Velasquez may potentially fight uh, John Jones if he ever comes to heavyweight. That that's that's my uh, that's my two cents. Um, who would win between Khabib and Chandler? Oh, it's not even close. It's not even close. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to knock Brent Primus at all. Brent Primus is obviously tough. He fought a great fight against Wait, Chandler. Ch Chandler. I know. Oh, Stop. Okay. I heard the question. I'm not trying to knock Brent Primus at all. But <clears throat> the ability, like from that position, you saw in that fight that that Chandler, well, got tired. Chandler's tough. Chandler's explosive. But Khabib's not even getting warmed up until the second and third round. I mean, Chandler's he's already tired by then. And I don't know what it is or how it is that he fights or if he just puts pressure on himself. It's a mental thing. I don't know what it is. I mean, Michael Chandler is extremely tough. I give him a lot of credit for, you know, for him finding ways to win. Um, but we've seen a little bit of the we've seen a little bit of the break in him. And that's just my two cents, man. Like, who knows? When you fight the fight, you never know what could happen. But I've trained daily. I've trained side by side with with Khabib and, and people will call me, you know, a jock rider or whatever, like, you know, because he's my teammate. But everyone said the same thing when I was saying that it wouldn't even be a close fight against him and Connor. There's like no way. Brennan Schaub, who I'm a big, I'm a, I love everything that does that Brennan does. Okay, but they just kept telling me. They just kept trying to say, oh, he's gonna lose. Man, they saw his fight with Alaquinta. Man, there's no way he's gonna. There's no way Connor's gonna starch him. Connor's gonna come in as the favorite, dude. I just, I can't even explain to you how you guys don't know. You know, and you guys haven't even seen the best Khabib yet. I'm telling you guys right now, you guys haven't even seen the best Khabib yet. Now, I said this and I, I'll say it again. Connor in that fight did way better than I thought he would do. And people need to give him credit. They need to give him a lot of credit. Because 
people don't understand how hard it is to stop that takedown. And not just stop the takedown. He was able to get up, I think, once or twice in that fight, maybe even two or three times. And he was able to stop, I think, I want to say one or two takedowns. But the struggle had stopped in that very after after that very first takedown. The struggle, like after he had in that first round, after he had lost that very first takedown, you could tell that it was this. Connor was trying to basically like, okay, let me get through this round, get back on my feet, and we'll go ahead and start this thing again. He knew it was a long fight. He didn't think that Khabib could keep keeping his range and staying on the outside and just trying to and trying to able to get back in on the inside, and he was able to do that. I just feel that with Khabib, he never gets tired as the fight goes on. He can go, and I can tell you guys now, I speak from experience, I've seen him go with guys at 170, I've seen him go with guys at 185, and I've seen him go back down. I've seen him spar, you know, a fresh guy every round, and guys that know his style, guys that know how to push him, guys that know how to capitalize on some of his weaknesses, guys that know how to do those things that he still is able to do a lot. He's still able to, to manhandle and do things too. Now you're fighting a guy that doesn't have, he has no idea how he, how actual strong he is, that has no idea um, how how he really fights or how, how good his wrestling truly is. He does not get tired. His ability, his pressure, his, his, his like, I'm watching parts of it right now when Connor tries to hook sweep him in and he just slowly flattens his hips, circles around to the back and gets right to that position where he's just on top position in the mount position. I can't explain to you enough. You put someone like, and, and I, I give a lot of credit to Chandler, but we're talking different levels of wrestling, different styles of wrestling too that make fights. And I think with, if Khabib gets on top of Chandler, I don't see Chandler getting up. Now, there is, could be, you know, if, if, if Chandler's able to get him down, there may be a chance he could potentially cut him or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, and I'm not even, try, I'm not trying to, I'm not even trying to be biased. You know, it, it is a tough fight for both fighters. Uh, I just I lean I'm obviously gonna lean a lot, little bit towards uh, a lot more towards Khabib. That was from Lord Commander. Um, Survival Bay Area asks, "What are three reasons fighters cannot successfully unionize?" I'll give you one big reason. That's all you need. They just can't agree. Fighters will the fighters are the most selfish people in the world. And they will never join to each other. The one person will always take more than they'll always take less than the person that is willing to is willing to fight. So my point is, is this happened a while back when Strike Force, um, <clears throat> when I was fighting in Strike Force, and this happened a lot in the UFC. Companies were walking around to fighters and saying, "Hey, I'll pay you fifteen thousand dollars to wear my shirt," and they're like, "Okay, fine." They signed. They we fought. The next time the show came around, that same company came up to me and said, "Hey, I'll pay you thirty five hundred to wear my shirt." And I was like, "Whoa, we got paid fifteen grand last time." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Look, I've got everybody on the intercards, and they're all doing it for just for basically for apparel and for for me to print their stuff, their banner and their clothes and their t shirts and all that. So I'll pay you since you're the co main or the main. I'll pay you thirty five. I'm like, nah, I passed." You know, that's the kind of stuff that you had. Fighters started undercutting other fighters. Managers started undercutting other managers and other fighters so they could get the sponsors, which was cool. But the problem is that lets you know that they'll never be a union. They won't unionize because when when the fighters at the top are making a certain amount of money, they will never join with the fighters on the bottom. And the fighters on the bottom will always undercut the fighters on the top to get whatever money they can get. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. The best opportunity that I see will be something like the Ali Act, which I think is still even far-fetched. 
And if it does, it will have to be something that's such a monopoly on the sport, which there was for a moment, but now it's gone because Bellator is now run by Scott Coker, which now Bellator is actually now an asset. If you look at Viacom's numbers and what they're bringing in, it's actually producing money and they're on the, they're working on the plus side now. So all those things being said, it's no longer a monopoly from the UFC. You have rising over in Japan now with big show, big money. They just had the Mayweather uh, fight with, uh, you know, um, with, uh, was his name Yushin, and uh, and then also too with Darian Caldwell actually going over there and fighting you know against uh, Horiguchi. So was it Horiguchi? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Darian Caldwell fighting over there against Horiguchi. <clears throat> so that fight happening. So now you have cross promotions with Bellator and Ryzen, and you also have kind of like the guys that are yeah Horiguchi. Now you have I, I don't know why I keep wanting to say um, the guy from Bellator. Um, Yamauchi. Yeah, Yamauchi. That's why. Um, but then you then now you have the UFC also trading guys with One FC and kind of the co- talking conversation between those companies. So I think that that the all the act is even a far cry, at least for a, a while. I would say at least another ten years. You know, unless something drastic really happens, and you know, uh, who knows? But like, you would really need somebody like a like a Conor McGregor to join with someone like GSP and. And, you know, and, po- and you would definitely need a woman's touch. So you'd need someone like Amanda Nunez, you know, or maybe even Ronda Rousey to come out and say, hey, all these things could have been could have been taken care of. But I highly doubt that it'll all happen. Just to be honest, my personal opinion. From Gideon Doyle asks, as a fighter, what do you think are the most underlooked and underdeveloped skills by pro MMA fighters? And what specific areas do you advise a beginner to the sport to focus on? So there's two things that I advise beginners of the sport and the underlooked is always going to be the hardest thing that, that, that is to learn is wrestling. So wrestling is first. Okay. Cause jujitsu guys will always have a hard time with a wrestler. If a guy can keep his distance and sprawl and brawl and back out of their guard. <clears throat> and it's a lot harder to pull someone into your guard when you, um, when you're sweaty, uh, you know, when the fight, when, when there's nothing to grab a hold of a gear and anything along those lines. So there's that. And then the second thing is I, I would always actually put the first thing ahead of that, which would be cardio conditioning and cardio. When you think that you're in good enough shape to fight a three round fight, just cause you're sparring three rounds with a new guy every round, or because you're sparring three rounds with your buddies in the gym, you're not, you're not in good enough shape to go a hard three rounds because you have to remember that in sparring, right? When you both get tired, you both kind of look at each other in circle and no one's really pushing the pace. But in a fight, when, when your opponent sees you get tired, he pushes forward. Just like when you see him get tired, you push forward. So there's never a moment where you actually stop and rest. Okay, Good fighters, when they see the person is a little bit, whether I feel like I hit you with a little bit of a body shot, maybe I knocked one out of you, I take steps forward to make you feel the pressure, to make you feel more tired, to make you feel anxiety, to make you feel those, those things that, that make you nervous. Okay, which burns energy, which makes you more tired. Okay, that's what happens. So when you think you're in the best shape of your life and you think you're good, no, you're not. You should do more conditioning, more cardio. That to me, conditioning is the number one thing. We saw it in the beginning of the of the MMA era where guys were just strong and probably juiced to the gills and the muscle-bound guys, you know, and those guys, they were great, right? Until the conditioning started playing a factor and you had the Lions Den guys that came in with great conditioning and they just started like... Frank Shamrock and, and you know and Pete Williams and those guys those guys were in in pretty good shape because remember they had that whole that whole uh, lion's den testing where it was like 200 squats 200 push-ups 200 burpees 200 jump 200 or t- whatever it was astronomical amounts of every exercise so you got dead tired and they went out there and made you spar and they just you just got 
fucked up and destroyed. But it was because they wanted to see if you were able to push through it and get tired. And then those things led into those guys fighting in big shows and becoming stars pretty much. You know, guys like Frank Shamrock, who is we saw in the Tito Ortiz fight, was just in phenomenal shape. And that's eventually what ended up winning him the fight. It wasn't that he actually was better than Tito Ortiz. He just broke Tito Ortiz mentally and just kept staying busy, kept getting up, kept staying busy, kept attacking triangles, kept elbowing the head, kept doing all these things that made Tito tired. Tito had to keep moving. Tito had to keep pushing pressure. Tito, Tito had to keep taking him down. Those are the type of things. So when you think you're in the best shape of your life, you think you're in good enough shape to fight a hard three rounds or a hard five rounds because you're sparring with your buddies in the gym three and five rounds, you're not. You need to spar harder or you need to spar. No, I shouldn't say spar harder. You need to do more conditioning. You need to be more sports-specific type conditioning. You know, minute-long sprints, 20-second rest. Minute-20-long sprints, 30-second rest. You know, things like that for 25, 35 minutes straight. Those type of exercise, those things, those type of things that will increase your things. And then wrestling and jiu-jitsu, I think, go hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, as long as you got the nuts to throw punches and striking – Striking is like I think the last thing you need to really be a whole like truly concerned about until you that'll come with time, you know, with your boxing and your timing and your kickboxing and all those things. But if you're wrestling and your jiu-jitsu are on track, you see it now with Ben Askren, you see it with Khabib, you see it with a lot of these other guys that are just good wrestlers and good jiu-jitsu guys. You know, you can get away with just the fundamentals or the you can get away with a good strong wrestling base and jiu-jitsu base with good conditioning and you can beat a lot of guys. So from Justin Rogers, he says, love the show, guys. Keep at it, especially Punk's Opinion. Top five podcast right now. I'd love to see you guys have more guests on regularly. Love to see the Diaz brothers in your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awkward Sorry, question, man. Really, but. We've sent, we've sent an, invite out, an invite out um through some mutual friends. And uh, Stan the Man actually went out and reached out to Nate Diaz. <clears throat> Look, dude, I, I don't have a problem with either one of them. I actually am truly... um Big fans of theirs. I love watching both of them fight. Um, I'm big fans of Gilbert Melendez. I'm, I'm a big fan of that whole crew, man. Jake Shields, that whole scrap pack. Those guys, I mean, we've been around for so long, and I enjoy um, watching those guys fight. I think they're great for the sport. I love the things that they do, uh, controversially-wise, with with uh, the UFC. You know, um, I like how they're standing their ground on a lot of things. And I like what they've done, man. I really do enjoy what they've done. And uh, they're needle movers. And there's nothing you can say about it. I would love to have them on. If they ever decide, I would I would love to have them on, man. I've always been a big fan of theirs. You know, and um, yeah, I mean, the offer, the offer will always stand. If they want to come on, uh, you know, shit, just reach out or whatever just you know or to go through a mutual friend and we can we can make it happen man i'd love to have you guys on both the diaz brothers both of them oh god did you do this from your fake account logan locks how does it feel to be such a badass animal <laughs> yeah. wow i love logan logan that's your fake account isn't it <laughs> i don't even have, i don't even barely know how to run my own account <laughs> uh sung wong hong do you plan to fight in 2019 really miss watching your fights no, I do not plan to fight in 2019. <laughs> but no official retirement? <laughs> no, I, there, there's no plan to fight in 2019. But you know, hey, we never know what will happen. Fingers, you, you just never know, man. Uh, who do you believe would become the 165-pound champ if they put it in? The longest reigning. That's from Touching Things. Who would become the longest reigning at 165? Yeah. Oh, man, I mean, how old is Ben Askren? I would probably say Ben. You know, you know, I, I felt I, I honestly, truly, I think he's 33. Oh, he's 34. Yeah. 
I, can, I would be hard to say. It'd be such a relatively new thing. I mean, I guess see Khabib going to 165 and being the longest reigning if he decides to be there. But I mean, we have, we they they have so much stuff still going on, um, with Zubaya and Abu Bakr and Islam and whether they're getting suspended or not and what that whole ordeal is. So that whole thing happening. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we ever see Khabib again. And I've said this before. It's not as if like he is, if you guys will go back and watch our loss, our last podcast where we had him on, he's talked about retirement um, at a young age and uh, he's put in all the work. I mean, he's got over 200 Sambo fights or something like that. 250 Sambo fights, I believe is what he said. Some astronomical amount of uh, fights. So all these, this 27 and 0 that he is now, it's, it's like a drop in the bucket for all the stuff that his body's been through. So I could see him retiring. Um, you know, I, I have high expectations for Kevin Lee, even though he's coming off of a loss, you know, and he, but I have high expectations for him. I really, truly believe he's cut, he cuts too much weight. And I think 165 would be a great weight class for him. And, um, he's got the ability, man. I really enjoy watching him fight. The guy is phenomenal. I mean, he just, I think potentially, I think the potential of him is the upside of him is extremely high. But I think he just cuts too much weight. You see, you can tend to see the guys that cut too much weight. They, as the fight goes on, they gas out, and I, that's what baffles me by by Khabib on how he does it. I think it's because he lives at altitude. He lives at like six, seven thousand altitude or something like that because of where he lives in Dagestan. You know, possibly that's the biggest reason why. And they, I do know they run hills and they train every day, whether they're fighting or not. I do know all those things. And you can't speak the same for, you know, a lot of American athletes. They very rarely do all that, you know. Um, they usually take, you know, a month off at a time. I do know that Aaron Pico doesn't do that. He trains every day, all the time, probably seven days a week. I think he started doing a half day off on, like, Wednesday and, like, a half day off on Sunday now <clears throat> because – but he just tra- – he's always trained that much, you know. But he's also young. He's only 22 years old. So that's baby days, man. Like, crazy, insane. Um but I would say the long. I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of guys that that could end up being in that position. Uh, I, I would say Kevin Lee, Ben Askren, uh, you know, Khabib or Connor could be, potentially both of them could be there, or Khabib could go up to 65, and Connor could probably go back down to 55 and stay at 55. I look at Connor as being more of the 55 range. I look at Khabib as being more of the 65 range, and Ben Askren at 65 or 75, and. And uh, Tyron Woodley being 75, 100% 75. I think 85 is just, he's just too small for that weight class. Uh, speaking of Pico from Gucci Lame asks, who has a bigger upside, Aaron Pico or AJ McKee? AJ McKee, 100%. And no, no, look, I'm not trying, Aaron Pico is a good friend of mine. And I really enjoy watching AJ McKee. Um, but AJ McKee has a little bit more of the, of the athleticism, the explosiveness, the long range. Look at the body style. The body style says it all. Like we're talking John Jones, Anderson Silva, who people consider to be the goats, but they're both been caught cheating. So I don't consider them to be the goats. But when you talk about their body styles for the frame that they have, AJ McKee at 145, look at his length and his range. But I think for him at 145, at 155, he, he becomes a little bit more average at that weight class. But I could also see him being the champion at 145 for a little bit before Aaron Pico gets a shot at the title. So I see AJ being the champ at 145 first if he's able to get past um, uh, Patricio. And, or, you know, I believe Daniel Strauss is making a comeback. So I'd really like to see that fight because he's just phenomenal as well after. And that's just a huge story. Like all in all, just I would love to see that him come back and have a successful career like he was before he got in the motorcycle accident. Um, 
And that to me, uh, or right before he got in his accident, I'd like to see that 100%. So AJ McKee, uh, I think there's a little bit more of an upside with him, but you can't take anything away from Aaron Pico. The desire and the will to win is definitely there, um, you know, and the work that he puts in. I don't see anyone out conditioning him or outperforming him in any other way, you know. Um, but he's kind of he kind of found his weight class, you know. I know that the cut for AJ is is kind of tough, so the fact that he he probably be at one eighty five, um, making good, you know, he'll make it one forty five. I mean, but then probably bouncing to one fifty five would be AJ McKee. From Vladimir Stojanovic. That's pretty good, wasn't it? I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> he says, Hi, Josh. I heard I heard in Bisping's podcast that John Jones cursed him at the commercial break after his win at UFC 232. Is it possible that John Jones is really such an asshole in real life because of a, because a lot of people admire him? P.S. You have a very interesting podcast, Vladimir from Serbia. Oh, I love Serbia. Um, Look, let's talk about this. There's a lot of things. If you actually, I believe, producer Dave sent me a video clip of him basically Stop. ignoring Chael Sonnen, uh, Chael P. Sonnen, uh, during the Aero Hawani interview. And sure, you know what? Fighters are allowed to do whatever it is they want to do. And here's the other thing. A lot of these reporters will badmouth other reporters and or these reporters will badmouth fighters and then expect them to come on their show and like be nice to them and civil with them. And in reality, is John, someone like John Jones, he doesn't need to be. Um, he gets enough publicity and, and press and everything else from all these other places. He doesn't really need to, to worry about a lot of these small time shows and these other people. So the fact that he's cursing Bisbing, I'm not saying that Bisbing is a small timer. What I'm trying to say is that, I mean, it's common, man. It's common knowledge for these guys to do this. I mean, there's, there's going to be little differences in, and stuff. I think also too, we're running back to the steroid thing and Michael Bisbing, you know, pretty much has lost a little bit of sight in his eye because of the Vitor Belford fight, you know, and and that fight caused a lot of body damage to his eye. Now he's visually can't, from what I understand, he, you people can see it. He doesn't really look the same out of that eye. You see it, it's kind of like half closed a little bit. It's not the same anymore. So visually, for the rest of his life, he will be visually impaired a little bit with that eye uh, because he fought somebody who was on TRT. You know, and at the time it was considered, I believe it was considered legal or something along those lines or whatever it was. But that's not even the case, man. Like we're dealing now, like these guys are getting busted for cheating. And so I think he has he has an honest gripe for being who he is and saying the things that he says about about people that are cheaters. And people want to say, oh, he's a crybaby. Oh, he's this. Dude, he can fucking barely see out of that eye if he can see at all. So if you guys... If that was you, man, you'd be you'd probably be feeling the same exact way. So all you guys that are talking shit, you guys are probably all just casual fans, just being total fucking John Jones dick riders. When in reality, it's 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 being we're being a hundred percent real with you guys. You guys want guys that are fake to you? Listen to some other fucking show. That's the the reality of it is, is that Biz being is people maybe don't like the way he talks or the shit that he says, but he's fucking a hundred percent real about a lot of things. He comes across sometimes like a prick, but hey. I actually really enjoy being around him. He's an actually really nice guy up front and up person. And, you know, I've had plenty of times where I've actually trained with him. I've actually like had conversations with him and he's actually a really nice guy. But I do understand his frustration with someone like John Jones who's been busted for cheating, you know, and and he's going through something right now in his life with his with his eye that, that was was caused by someone who was legally was on TRT, but really should have never been on it. He should have been fighting as a clean fighter. And we saw the we saw the dis, we saw the difference in performance from people that cheat and don't cheat, and what kind of harm that can happen to someone and their health for the rest of his life. He can barely see out of that eye. That's fucked.
And so when you guys are criticizing us for speaking the truth, this is how many fucks I give. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, <laughs> this right here, that's how many. Okay. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate Bisming for being upfront and honest and I'm not hating on John Jones. I'm just being real with you guys. If you guys can't handle it, Hey, it's on you. All right. Jamel Kwanda asks with Caldwell's loss and now the rematch to, to set place in Bellator, what future matchups do you, uh, do you know, see, do you now see PS love the punk's opinion, but what, what we going to have to do for our new co-host though? Sorry, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, uh, let me see that again. That was that first part of the question. Is the, who's next for Darren Caldwell besides uh, Horiguchi? I mean, they're going to fight They're gonna fight in uh, in a cage. We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, it just sets the stage. It sets the stage for controversy. It also sets the stage for us to cross-promote with Ryzen. Um, I do know that Scott Coker has a really good relationship with the Japanese, and I think it's a great idea, man. I'm excited to see all this stuff come to fruition. I think it's an amazing opportunity for... It's an amazing opportunity for us to cross-promote, and uh, I'm excited for that. As far as who would be next for him uh, at 135, or I would actually like to see him go up and fight um, to fight uh, Patricio at 145. That's what I would like to see uh, Darren Caldwell do. I think in a cage is a different fight, but hey, with a submission like that where Horiguchi was able to catch him shooting in, and let's be honest, I mean, I believe he's been caught. Caldwell's been caught in a guillotine before, and... It's it's been his weakness where he lose to well, I want to say it was an Armin yeah guillotine submission too. guillotine yeah so he's been caught with the submission of the guillotine like that before look good wrestlers will sometimes leave their neck out because it comes natural to them to turn the corner and lift and raise their chin and it's, it happens man if you don't turn the corner fast enough you're gonna get stuck with the eight you're gonna stuck with your youth in the guillotine position so his wrestling is definitely uh, probably top of the game in in, in any uh, in any promotion. But he's got to always be careful for those submissions, and he's been caught twice now with that guillotine. So it doesn't matter if the fight's in a cage or in a ring. The potential of it being there is going to still be there. So he's been caught in a cage. He's been caught in a ring now. So it's like he needs to make sure he wins this next fight and only focus on that. All right. From Tarek Monsami, as a former UFC athlete, do you think the UFC will remain as dominant as they are considering the new money available and improving rosters at other organizations as well as the UFC's ongoing issues? Um, I, I think they'll be around for a long time. Like as far as the top dog, they, they will be, um, you know, but you got to remember though too, like Strikeforce was starting to make a, a good run at it um, before Silicon Valley Entertainment decided to sell it kind of like out from underneath Coker. <clears throat> so when they made that decision, they pretty much squashed any opportunity that we had of actually making a, a full on come through. And we were, we, I felt like we were right there at the stage of us being there to, to take, not really take over, but the ability to to basically compete to the next level. So, um, I mean, it was there, dude. It, it it was there. Like if you think about it, all their champions are now. I mean, if all their champions are from Strike Force. You know, are they? At least a lot of them had fought for Strike Force. <clears throat> I mean, Cain Velasquez started his career in Strike Force. I mean, there was a lot of good guys that came out of Strike Force that were there. You know, Jacques Ray, <clears throat> uh, Rockhold, DC. I mean, Kane came out of there. I mean, I want to. I believe. I want to say, Michael Chandler did as well. Even some Bellator guys came from Strike Force. So that could go on and on. But I mean, like, look, it's going to be a while. I can be 100% truthful with you guys. It took, it was six, seven years. And we actually got, Strike Force had got lucky because there was a deal that was done by Frank Shamrock um, with, against Henzo Gracie, I believe. It was Henzo Gracie when they were fought in Elite XC. And that deal was never supposed to be signed. 
Frank signed it anyways, and that put that put Scott Coker and Strikeforce in the driver's seat against Elite XC, and they still fought Frank in that Hensel fight, and it was a huge mistake on their part because that automatically put us and gave us the availability to go ahead and fight on Showtime and um, and CBS. And from then on, it was just smooth sailing for Strikeforce because we had the better fighters, and there was no doubt about it. I mean, at the time, they had Eddie Alvarez, and that was pretty much like their only good fighter that they had. They had Nick Diaz also at the time, but we took Nick over once they had shut down. <clears throat> so I would give it some time. You know, um, it, there's a lot of things that I know that are happening in 2019. Um you know, that are going to benefit. Uh, but, you know, you're always playing kind of like, uh, um, you know, moving, what is it called? Musical chairs. Like the UFC makes a move, boom, Bellator makes a move. UFC makes a move, Bellator makes a move. You know, so everyone's making moves right now. And, uh, you know, we're all making money moves. Anyways, <laughs> so every everyone's doing their thing. And I, I like the one thing that I like about Scott Coker is he doesn't care what the UFC does. He does what he, what he can do to help his promotion and help it grow. And I know that it's uh, it's actually on the upcline right now. It's doing well, and the and the figures are coming through, and money's coming in. So I think right now uh, there's a lot of good things that the, the potential is there for it to grow even more. Joe Miller asks, you kind of touched on it already, but Joe Miller asks, uh, "Hi Josh, do you think Khabib would also fight at 170? The main reason I ask is because if they make a 165 division, maybe Khabib could be the first to have three belts in three divisions. I guess it'd be 175, not 170. Also, while you keep doing these Q and A podcasts, I love the show." Yeah, I actually like the idea of the Q and A's. We'll 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 keep doing these. Uh, it might be something I just do on my own, so we can rattle through them real quickly. But I mean, I don't know. It depends really on what the questions are about. Um, uh, and we'll have Sammy come in on on um, some of them as well. Um, <clears throat> this far as Khabib, like I, I don't really see Khabib standing at fifty five if the sixty five pound division is there. I could see. I don't see him defending both titles. I would see him vacating one to fight for the other or. Keep being the champ in one and then winning the title in the other and then, then vacating the 55-pound division. And then have him fight there because he, I think at 65, he's extremely comfortable. That last, I mean, you think about that last 10 pounds. I mean, shit, that's a whole two days of him cutting just to get that last 10 pounds down. Because when you've cut that much weight already, it's 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 horrible to get the last 10 pounds off. So I could see him being extremely comfortable at 165. And I'd love to see the fight between him and Kevin for, uh Kevin for, uh uh, Kevin Lee at 165. Even Tony Ferguson. Look, I like the fight with him with Tony Ferguson. I just don't think that it does anything for him. I don't think the fight with Kevin Lee does anything for him either. I really would like to see him fight um, GSP at 165 or even Conor McGregor again at 165. That would be an amazing fight. Um, unless T. Wood can make 65, I would like to see T. Wood fight him at 165 as well. Those three fights are the fights that I would want to see the most. GSP, T. Wood... And um and maybe Kevin Lee at one sixty five. Those are the three fights I'd like to see at one sixty five. All right, from Jordan Duharte, would you ever consider going back to the UFC if given the opportunity? I think you and Poirier would be a crazy fight, uh, or Nate and you run it back. Don't fight. Yeah, I'm forty years old, bro. No, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, I don't know. I'm not done like fighting. I don't think I am. But who knows, man? You never know. I'm just keeping my <laughs> keeping my options open. Keeping my options open, right? So, um, look, there's a lot of things that I'm working on right now. Obviously, you guys see that I'm um, I'm working with Bellator now as an analyst. Um, I'll be working with them for a couple years. I do know that. Um, I'm excited about that. I enjoy. Uh, all the talent that we have, I see exactly what Scott Coker is doing. Um, I've lived through what he's done before and building that promotion. And uh, as far as fighting for the UFC, no, they don't ever happen. Dan and I don't like each other. It's pretty obvious that we don't like each other. Um, 
you know, he, it, it's it's been it's been obvious. I mean, everyone it's for years it's been obvious. So um, all that stuff being said, no, I don't see myself going back. Um, I wish I wish the UFC the very best, uh, you know. But I work for the Bell, I work for Bellator, and I'm happy to be there. I'm not going to read that one, but thanks for the question, Matthew mm -hmm. Defer. <laughs> Uh, from BIYM6969. The fact that fighters now have podcasts and they are telling the truth it allows the fans to separate the bullshit. Back in the days and even now, Josh, do you know of fighters that are on PEDs? I doubt you're going to answer this question. Lol, you will be John Jones of USADA to the people. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw anyone under. Um, yeah, but there were back in the days, like back in the, in the, you know, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, you know, two thousand. Sure, a lot of these guys were, um, a lot of these guys were, were on something, you know. And then the the drug testing. Also, here's the other thing. Back then, and I said this the other day when I was talking about the the John Jones thing on my last podcast, on the last Punk's opinion. Back then, the fighters used to. Um, the, the commission only used to test the day of the fight or the day before at the weigh-ins. They would drug test you. So you knew that you were going to get tested like those times. But then if you tested hot, you were pretty much booted out. Like the UFC, like you were gone. Like they, they were done. Like Josh Barnett tested hot. They were like pretty much, okay, look, you're done. We'll strip you the title. You're out of here. Like that was back when they had a little bit of morals. <laughs> now it's not so much. You know, like guys, like now, like you test hot, like, oh, okay, you got busted. Cool. Moving on. Next guy. Okay. Like it's, it's not, there was guys back then that were juicing, but then, then what happens? Commission got smart sometime. Like in the last, I would say probably, I would say like 2010, 2011, like right around the time I won the title, 2008, 2009. Cause I remember when I was training for, I had signed a fight for the title one time and then they had come they they had basically said like hey we're gonna do um a presser for it and open workout it was like two or three weeks before and we did it at aka and the commission showed up and said hey we're gonna do a drug test i was like all right cool so we did the drug test but it was like three weeks before and they had never done that before and i had been tested every single fight every single fight i had been tested and they had basically just showed up and said, hey, we're going to do a drug test, da, da 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 Then they started getting even hipper to that. And instead of actually showing up and doing the drug test, they started saying, hey, by tomorrow morning, they'd call you at like 7, 8 o'clock at night. And I can give you an example. They, say, they did the same thing to me when I was supposed to fight Michael Johnson. And they said, hey, tomorrow, it was like nine, 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And they said, hey, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., you need to check in at LabCorp to do your drug test, give a blood test and a urine test. Boom, had to show up 8 a.m. at that place, give the location. And that was it. I didn't fight Michael Johnson because that morning he pulled out. Uh, from Tyler Sky, are you amazed at how much better fighters are in MMA as a whole compared to when you first started the sport? Um, No, I'm not amazed at all. I'm not amazed at all. I mean, like, realistically, like, every, every sport grows. I mean, it changes too. The rules change a little bit, just... Um, you're already seeing some change. Like now it's like, not just three points of contact to the ground. It's like four or something like that. I mean, like I, I haven't kept up with that rule to be honest, but I do know that there were some changes. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're talking about allowing certain things now, um, potentially knees on the ground of the head, you know, um, <clears throat> if they're on, like if they're, if they're on all, if they're on three points or something, anyway, something like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of changes to the, the, that make the sport grow. And I think as the sport grows, I mean, the, the athletes adapt and they get better. I mean, remember back in the day, it was like 
you would take a guy down and put him to the fence and guys had no idea how to get up. Now that's all guys do. They actually back up to the fence and use the fence a way to get up, you know, and that's, that's now like a way that's, that's like a, a third leg kind of thing is a way to get up. It's like, it's the wall is helping you get up. Guys now are taking guys down on the open mat because guys don't know how to get up anymore from the open mat. So with every sport, with every sport, it evolves and the rules change a little bit here and there, which changes the way the fighters fight. <clears throat> And ultimately, they try to make the rules changes. You see it in football all the time or other sports. They try to make the rule changes that are that will help benefit for spectators to make it more exciting, to make it viewer friendly. <clears throat> now, look, I would love for them to get rid of elbows on the ground. And the only reason why I would like for them to get rid of elbows on the ground because Strikeforce didn't have them on the ground. And what it did was it created more space. And when that creates more space, it creates more movement. And if you think about somebody like a, a Khabib, right, who's able to like kind of basically bear hug you and hold you and, you know, and small elbow you and, and do some damage from those positions where you're stuck on bottom and slowly pass and mount you and lace the legs and do all these things. It takes away that a little bit from him because now he needs to make more space and, and to strike and posture up to use his punching versus his elbows the other thing as well is i don't really like the idea of guys and girls visually getting cut all over the face you know and and a fight ending by cuts I, I don't mind the elbows on the feet like look when i fought tony ferguson he hit me with a clean elbow on the feet that ultimately dropped me and gave me a big gash on my head you know on those things but it was a lot of the elbows that like from the triangle position or like the, the omoplata position that actually cut me like on the top of my head. And it's like, for me, I feel like striking from that position, whether it's closed fist or hammer fist or open palm strikes, those to me, like it, it allows the fight to go longer, less, a little bit less blood. Also too, with damages, as far as damages, I, the whole visually damaging I just, it bugs me a little bit. I mean, like, I think when you create more space and you're able to make more space to create more movement, which creates more action, it makes it for a lot more exciting fight. And I think that's a big reason why the why Strikeforce had such and such exciting fights. You never saw guys just take guys down and press them to the fence and stack them and just throw elbows or get in, get in half guard position and just start laying ha you know elbows down on them they had to make more space to punch and when they made more space to punch it caused it caused more space and more roof more movement from the person on bottom which gave them the opportunity to get up and the fights usually ended up back on their feet which caused more ability to like for more striking and more knockouts on the feet versus you know guys just getting cut on the ground or ground and pounded out you know uh it just made for more exciting fights that just my personal opinion and i i, I that's just, i would rather see it that way just to be honest from my fave book, Bronte Jane Iyer, would you like to coach new fighters or do you prefer being a media TV star? Uh, I don't like to coach fight. any fighters. I do work with uh, Adam Piccolotti and I do work with um, a guy named Mark Clamaco, who uh, I expect big things from. He's only 20 years old. <clears throat> he's already fought in Bellator. He's had a first round knockout. I want to say is a MMA guy. I want to say he's like 4-0 or 3-0. <clears throat> really good kickboxer. We may have to take him over to Ryzen because he's a smaller guy. I'm going to try to get him into the, we're trying to get him a little bit of weight on. He's just hard. It's hard. He's young. He's only 20 years old. It's hard for him to keep the weight on. He's so small, you know, but uh, right now he's up to 145 and we're going to try to get him into the next uh, Bellator show or, or another show. He's extremely talented. I haven't seen a guy with that, that good of footwork and kickboxing ability. Um, 
as well as uh, takedown defense and jujitsu, you know, from top and from the ground. I mean, from the bottom. He's pretty impressive. He's a very well-rounded fighter. Extremely exciting. And uh, I would love to see him fight some of the top guys. Uh, he's ready for it now. I mean, I see him fight. Uh, I've seen him spar and work with guys like Adam Atlin. I've seen him spar and work with guys like uh, <clears throat> Dustin Ortiz and these guys. And and uh, let me just tell you, it's it's just fine. I'd like to see him get to the next level. All right. We're on the last few that are on Instagram. So from A Michael 408 what's next for the Lioness? Should her, cyborg dance, should her and Cyborg dance one more time? <clears throat> Yeah, I think they should. I think it would be an extremely different fight, though. I think Cyborg would fight a smarter fight. She wouldn't get carried away in the slugfest. I think she understands that 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 uh, Nunes has a uh, a lot of Nunes has a lot of uh, power now, and I think that she knows that now. She would fight a smarter fight. <clears throat> I don't think it's wise for her to take an automatic rematch. I don't think that that's even an option. Just to be honest. I from what I've what I can gather from Dana's response is that they're ready to move on so somebody else can can fight for the title next. Um, I think uh, the girl, what's her name, Angela Anderson or what's her name? Uh, something Anderson. She just Megan fought Anderson. Megan Anderson. Sorry, Angela. Megan Anderson, who just fought Katz and Gondo. They may try to run that fight back because of the eye poke or the eye scratch or whatever, but I could see them potentially trying to have that fight happen. <clears throat> um Maybe Holly Holmes and her again, you know, uh, Amanda Nunez and her fight. Uh, who else is there? Um, Holly Holmes. Raquel Caitlin. Pennington. That fight's not going to happen because they're teammates. Kat Zingano just lost because of the eye cut thing, you know. So Megan Anderson's where? Uh, she's not even, she's not in any of these. Um, and this ranking was just updated after the fight. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, she's not in any of this. Maybe because she's under contract with Invicta. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, anyways, uh, who knows? But I really, I really, I, I would imagine they would probably have her fight Megan Anderson next because <clears throat> she was supposed to get a title shot and then she lost. Uh, who else? Who else would they have her fight? Uh, there's a bunch. Hey, I'll tell you this: this Aspen lad is fighting Holly Holm. Have you seen any Aspen lads? Fights? No, I haven't. Yeah, she's. I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna be breakout star 2019, bro. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. I know her from Sacramento. Okay, okay. Yeah. Are you she's, old guys? Because you are kind of a, a team alpha male jock rider. She's not. She's actually from um from a different part of Sacramento. She doesn't train with alpha male. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Does she train with uh uh the McDonald brothers or something like that? No, it's MMA Gold. Do you know them? No, I no. Um, they've got a couple. Of, they've got another guy in the UFC who fights next month as well, or yeah, fights yeah. this month as well. But she fights uh, Aspen. Uh, she fights Holly Holm. At UFC Aspen Lad sounds like a total fucking UK name. Does it? Aspen yeah. Lad? <laughs> Just because like, lad. Yeah, come on, lad, young laddie. <laughs> come on, you young laddie. All right. Um, um, yeah. No, I mean realistically, I, I really could. I don't see them giving her automatic rematch. I see her fighting somebody else. Probably the winner of Aspen Lad and Holly Holm or. I've never heard of that. Ketten, who is that? Ketlin Vieira. I've never heard of her. Vieira. Uh, maybe if I saw a picture, let me see her. <clears throat> is there a picture of her? I'm on I'm on her profile page. It's not coming up or No, I think the UFC just doesn't, doesn't have, have one Oh there we go. Her. Oh there she is. I feel like not maybe I've seen her scroll up. there's nothing else? No. No, that's it, huh? That sucks. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, there it is. Right there. Go down. Wait. Go down. To the right. She fought Kat Zagano right there. Oh, yeah. Right yeah, now. 222. 
Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's okay. I mean, she's okay. I mean... 10 fight win streak, yeah. 2 wins by knockout, 4 by Who submission. Knows? I mean, maybe maybe that's next for her. She's 10 and 0. Yeah, you yeah. never know. 10 and 0 is pretty nasty. Yep. All right, next. Um, B... Bui thirteen four three one asks: With John Jones' incident, do you think more fighters are wanting to leave and go to a different MMA promotion? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know, man. Like, look, eh, look. Here's the thing. Every fight, I was having a conversation. It's so funny that this is being a question. I was having a conversation with two fighters that are currently with the UFC just the other day, like texting back and forth and having a full on conversation with them and like, man, I'd love to get out of this place. You know, like I'd, I'd love to, I wouldn't mind fighting for Bellator, this and that they're like, but then they don't know what their life would be out, would be like without fighting for the UFC because that's where they've spent most of their career. And, and I understand. And that's the thing. Like people are, they're afraid of the uncertainty. Like they know that they have a job there with the UFC because the UFC has so many fights and so many promotions and so and so many fights a year. They know that like they need to have five or six hundred fighters on their roster, so their job's not really in jeopardy at all. Like they're they've got stability there. Now, when you go to a promotion like Bellator, you go to a promotion like One FC or Ryzen, you're probably not going to fight as much, and you have two losses and you may get cut. Because they're only trying to keep the best fighters. And the thing is, is when you're in the UFC, that doesn't always mean that you're the best. Sure, when you're the top, let's just say you're in the top five, you're potentially probably the best. You're like some of the best fighters, you know? But when you, if you go to UFC, like you saw with, with Benson Henderson, if you don't have a name like Benson Henderson and you come over to, to Bellator and you lose two or three fights in a row, you're gone. I, it's just, let's be honest. So, like, they're not going to keep you. They don't have enough fights a year and to enough space on their roster to keep you. So, I, I understand, like, the, 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 you're afraid. But to, for other fighters to be like, oh, well, all the best fighters are in the UFC, that is not true. I mean, Eddie Alvarez is now in one FC. You know, uh, you've got guys like Michael Chandler, who I think are in the top 10, you know, and I think you've got a Brent Primus. He's in the top 10, I think, also when you start matching style for style, that type of thing. You know, I think I think it match up well against a lot of guys. Um, you know, the the heavyweight division, you know, um, the guy that's fighting Czech Congo coming up, the Russian, um, you put him against the, the guys in the UFC. I think he does very well against the UFC heavyweights. You know, he's going to have a hard time with guys like Kane and DC, but obviously because I know Kane and DC and their style very well, he'll have a hard time with those guys. <clears throat> I think he'll have a hard time with somebody um, – you know, um, with some of the other guys. I mean, but he's already beat Volkov. Uh, he fought Volkov, I want to say, in uh, Bellator and knocked him out. So the fact that he's already beat someone like him who's considered like you know, top three or four, I think, in, in UFC, that explains to you how good he is. So what was his name? Minikoff. So he lost to, he lost to Minikoff. Minikoff's in Bellator. He's uh, fighting Czech Congo next. So that fight. And then, uh, you know, so those guys. Czech Congo's in, in in the heavyweight division in Bellator. He's lost. He also, Czech Congo, also beat Mini, uh, uh, Volkov. Volkov as well. And Volkov's in the top three or four in, in, in the UFC. So not all the best fighters are there. Now, Czech has, been, has had opportunities to be exciting, and he hasn't capitalized. And he's had opportunities, you know, to lay and prey on people, and he's been exciting and knock people out. So... It's hard to say which check you're going to get, but I still think he's definitely a very talented guy. 43 years old, man. Still look like a fucking Greek god. It's just insane. 
you know. Um, but look, uh, overall, I, I think that overall, I think it would be interesting to see. Oh, let me see. It'd be interesting to see if some of the guys would leave. I, I think people are afraid. They're afraid to leave because they know if they leave the UFC, they're not probably going to go back. Not everyone is like an Anthony Johnson is going to have this success outside everywhere else because he's got the power in his hands and the explosiveness and the and you know. But if you go back and you listen to our podcast that we had uh, Goldie on and 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 uh, Anthony Johnson on, you know, I mean, like one thing. One thing I feel like I know is I know when I I know talent, and when you talk about talent, like I know the talent as far as I knew Khabib was going to be a star when he first came. I knew DC was going to be good. I didn't realize he was going to be this good, you know. Um, you know, but guys, guys that have come in, I, I found Anthony Johnson, you know, hitting mitts down in, you know, in LA, and brought him in and got him signed up with a manager and got him to talk with with Joe Silva and got him in the UFC. You know, uh, Phil Baroni uh, was already there, star and stuff like that. But I got Trevor Prangley in, you know, in, into the into the strike force and the UFC and all these other things. I brought him down here and trained with us and, you know, and try to catapult him into get in with a manager that we get him into the promotions. There's a lot of guys that when I when I see talent, I feel like and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but, you know, I'm pretty picky and choosy when I pick out talent. I feel like, you know. There are there's a lot of good people that are in the UFC, and I would like to see them come over to, to Bellator and see how well they do. And the same thing with with the fighters from One FC. I'd like to see some of those guys come over to Bellator and see how well they do. But that all has to do with I think with cross promotion. I really like what Scott did with Darren Caldwell. There was no benefit for him to do that. He did it because that's the kind of person that Scott is. Um, it's pretty rare to see what they are doing. The UFC is doing with. 1FC. That was a very rare thing. But I just, the only reason why I had spoke on that a couple days, the couple days, like that week before all that stuff had happened was because I had insider kind of like track knowledge that like things like that were going to potentially happen. And I didn't expect it or anticipate it with, with Ben Askren and uh, Demetrius Johnson. But I did understand that there was some other deals that were in the talks and conversations with other promotions as well. And there was there was talks and conversations about things happening. And so I did know some things that were going to happen that didn't really come to fruition. But it would have been really nice to see that happen. <laughs> I can't give you much more than that. Uh, is Jimmy Smith from Nick Martello, is Jimmy Smith going back to Bellator? I don't think so. I really don't know. I really like Jimmy Smith. I have no idea um, what the future holds for him. Uh, extremely talented. There's no doubt about it. He's extremely talented. I have no idea though what what he does from here. Um, I know that. <clears throat> I know he should have a lot of uh, other options. Um, I know he knows the MMA game very well. He speaks really well on it. Um, but I couldn't tell you. Uh, I I could see him potentially going over to to One FC. I think that'd be amazing for him to be there because they definitely could use him. Um, you know he's. I think he's definitely an asset for them if they were able to pull him over there. Uh, from Fitmind Training, did ESPN underrate Khabib by ranking him number three pound for pound? <laughs> yes. That's the rankings right there. Yes. Dude, you're 27-0. Fought the best guys in the world. Conor McGregor was like pound for pound the guy, blah, blah. Whatever, man. These guys, and then he beats Conor McGregor, and now he only gets three. Come on, guys. Look, um, you guys... Let's see. How could I put this? Let's be realistic. Have any of you guys ever watched 
pardon the interruption or what is it called around the horn is it called around the horn around the horn um and those type of things these guys have no fucking clue what they're talking about when it comes to mma none zilch they have no idea so it doesn't surprise me at all that you would see this that you would see Khabib drop to number three, DC drops to number two, John Jones at the top. It doesn't surprise me at all. You know, um, you have a guy who's 27 and 0. How is he not the number one guy in the world? How is he not pound for pound the greatest? Or the, I mean, not the greatest, but how is he not pound for pound the guy? He, he, beat, he beat the poster boy. He beat he beat the guy that they you know that they were hyping up to that fought Floyd Mayweather they, like all the ESPN was riding that riding that wave that Mayweather Conor McGregor they were riding that baby he beat that guy he beat everyone he put in front of him he beat him decisively he only lost one round in his whole UFC career one round and now you guys put him at number three I don't know John Jones lost a couple rounds I'm just saying. Even with steroids, you know. So look, look, we can just beat around. Look, they're not like the people at UFC or ESPN know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, like if you and I'm a big fan of like. There's a show called Pardon the Interruption uh, with Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser, and I like those guys. I really enjoy actually watching their show. I watch it every day. It's the only actual ESPN show that I really watch. You know, I actually record it and watch it. So I really enjoy watching Pardon the Interruption. They are a little biased on some things, and you know, and they. But when Herschel Walker was fighting the Strike Force, they covered that. He was all about. Michael Wilbon was all about Herschel Walker. I can't believe he looks like that. I can't believe I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. But then the rest of the time, all he does is say, "These guys are Neanderthals. These guys are dopes. These guys are. These guys are this. These guys are that." Look. They don't know about the sport, and when they don't know about it, they don't talk about it in a very kind light. So the fact that they did this, that they put Khabib down to number three, I actually, and and people are going to probably crucify me for this, if anything, I think that Khabib should be above DC. And everyone's going to hate me for that. DC probably hate me for it too. DC, you're my boy, dog. But he's 27-0, man, and he beat the poster boy. Come on, man. Come on. I know you're the champ champ, baby, but... At the end of the day, Khabib's 27-0, and he's made it look easy. He's made it look really easy. It's embarrassing, actually, to see that. He never lost a round. I mean, like in the, the round you say, the, the round he lost against Connor, you could kind of say he just took the round off. He didn't really, there wasn't a whole lot going on. He just kind of chilled. Who knows, man? He lost one round. I mean, I do give Connor credit. He did a lot better than he thought he would, but I still got Khabib being the number one guy, above John Jones also. He's 27-0. All right, last one from DJ Bez. <laughs> How long will it be until Dana Trump? Black? How long That's our Dana be? Black right there. Uh, until Trump gets locked up or impeached. Man, <laughs> guy. this guy. guy. That's Dana Black, <laughs> DJ Biz. How long will it be? What was the question? How long will it be until Trump gets locked up or impeached? It really depends. I saw that Nancy Pelosi got the gavelin back today for Speaker of the House. Man, I think everybody on the on the conservative side is like kind of just laughing and licking their chops. That girl's like an accident waiting to happen. She just can't seem to keep her foot out of her mouth. She says the dumbest shit. Doesn't matter if you're a conservative or if you're a liberal. I don't know. The only reason why she keeps getting that position is because 
from what I understand, she's kind of like a snake in the grass. She always finds ways to like bring in a lot of money when it comes time for the election times. So that's why she knows how to work like backdoor dealings, which is kind of weird, you know, like, hey, look, everyone can have their own uh, beliefs and who they want to vote for and those those things. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I just hope we don't get caught up for the next two years of the stalemate, you know, in, in, uh, in, uh, in government, you know, so everyone else suffers. We'll see, man. We'll see what happens. All right, bro. Hey, that was a lot. That was a lot. We have more too, but I just we're not gonna get to them. That's only the Instagram. <laughs> Is that the YouTube? That's the YouTube. That's app. only the YouTube. Yeah. So that's only the YouTube. Man. There was a couple Instagram in there. All right, so I got some Instagram ones, some YouTube ones. We'll probably try to f- touch on those maybe tomorrow. Maybe some more will build up by then. I haven't even posted this thing yet, just to yeah, be honest. Right. So I gotta post it, and by tomorrow we'll have more. All right, guys. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to Punk's Opinion. I gave you my opinion on all the questions in the YouTube channel. So go ahead and hit that YouTube channel. Go leave me some more questions if you guys want. We'll try to get to them tomorrow. Spotify. Oh, oh, we are now on Spotify. Thank uh, Producer Dave. Finally, man. Finally. <laughs> Jeez, been on this dude forever. Bro, my, my cousin sent me a link uh, yeah. two days ago. He's like, hey, bro, I think you should try this to go on Spotify. And it worked. Perfect. Money, baby, money. Hey, we in it. We in it now. (laughs) Okay, so follow us on Spotify. Follow us on uh, on iTunes, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. Make your here's the thing. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, man, and share as much of this as you guys can. Tell other people to subscribe. Share this all around. That's what we need. We need to get this out. If you guys can, I'd truly appreciate it. Um, the numbers were going up, going up. Then we hit the holiday season. We're kind of plateauing a little bit right now through the holidays. We haven't really done a lot of shows, but that's why I'm putting out these punks opinion. I want to get you guys to start sharing it. Go ahead. Talk shit to me in the comments. I'll talk back. Don't worry. You know, I'll clap back. All right, guys. Peace out.